Welcome, dear readers, to Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly. My name is Kaki. And I'm Kay. And remember, we only judge a book by its cover. And we find ourselves once more amid the towering stacks of your library, and things look a little different now that we're uh, canoeing across a meter-deep lake of of red ink that yes. has flooded. Something went wrong, I believe. Yeah. I, I don't think it's something that I did this time. I can't mm. be sure. I, I tried some you things to stem the ink tide. Oh, of course, you don't remember, I was going to say. I, I did clearly take a little splash and I had to read all my body tattoos again and, right. and listen to the entire back catalogue of 96 episodes just to catch up yes. again. So, yes, definitely a little. But I don't know. Maybe it was maybe it was a full dunking. Maybe I got a little splash in the eye. Uh, either way, we seem to be, like, drifting along now. Judging by the current, we're heading towards the sea. Or possibly a, f- a waterfall or an inkfall because oh. we, are on the, we are on the first floor, if you're, or the second true. floor. If true, you're, true, 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 true. The, the stairs are over that way. We don't seem to be drifting over there. Right. Now... Um, would you like to say anything nice about the little gondola that I've made for it's us? It's a lovely little gondola. Okay, no, I was I'm and it's so keeping, glad you noticed. Uh, it's keeping us out of the ink, and that's right? a very good uh, property of it. I think I just saw one of the raccoons swimming past, but I don't think he knew where he was going. I mean, How that, can you tell? There's all these red little swirls. It doesn't have a fin on its back, which raccoons don't, so therefore it must be one of them. <laughs> okay, just, just walking through this again. So when you see something moving through the water and it doesn't have a fin on its back, like a shark... Then it must be a record because in this library, almost certainly. That's uh, yeah, that's not inaccurate. Un- so I, I, I do that no, or the okay. velociraptors have returned. They're almost like sharks anyway. Like Would that like they land sharks? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, little knee-high little monsters. Mm. Oh, how I probably would have missed them if I could have remembered them. I, I listened to the previous episodes, and yes. I, was, I was quite, uh, I was, I was surely quite fond of them. But yeah, at least on the upside, no more dripping from above. Well, true. Yes, if everything comes down in one big torrent, then there is no more dripping. I really wish I could remember how it happened, whether it was like steady dripping, and I just woke up in the, or as far as I know, I, I was just aware in this gondola mm. that I think I made for myself. I mean, right. nobody else is really... That's very kind of you to pick me up. When I saw you descending from the sky, then I just aimed my little gondola to, uh, uh, to, yes. to, to intercept. I mean, I wouldn't have done to get my uh, feet wet in the ink. With your book reading slippers. There's one good thing. That we're not going to be shy of red ink anytime soon at this rate. But you did tell me to never use it. I told you never to use it. I didn't say it never got used. But, uh, <gasps> ooh, 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 ooh. Okay, more book, uh, more library secrets. You know, okay, um, so tell me what it's for. Because you, you told me many years ago, I think back in episode four, that I shouldn't use the blue ink right. either because that tends to change what... When you write down mm-hmm. something in blue ink, then the words rearrange right. themselves because they're cheeky like that. I mean, the, the red ink, I tried to sell it to people who uh, want to print religious pamphlets. <laughs> Whoa, okay. It's not exactly a victimless crime, but it's certainly a blameless crime. Nobody yeah. who suffers from it can exactly exact any revenge, and they get the opportunity to re-examine their lives from scratch. There you go. Uh, Which like, I, I always find quite it's 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 quite invigorating. I mean, it's nice to have to just out of curiosity, what ink do you use for the tattoos? I don't, don't remember. remember what I like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had to think about it for a second, yeah. but mostly because I'm trying to think whether I mentioned it in an episode. No, you asked me, yes, you did ask me on a previous oh. episode, and I didn't use red ink. I said no. some shit about, I don't Just know, black India ink, stuff. I suppose. Yeah, that's, yeah, we got into what India ink was, and it was oh, yes, uh, I remember carbon. That so I've been, uh, 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 with my little iPhone 5S, like, I've been looking for uh, a means of recording other than podcasting, which yeah. is how my memory now works, and body tattoos, and I've run out of space, to see if there's anything that, that, can, that can work with the threatening 
ink tight and had discovered there is a whole market of like waterproof notebooks and pens. Oh, yes. That, that's uh, useful. That's absolutely remarkable. Like yeah. you can write underwater with them. Damn. I guess it's specially treated paper that doesn't absorb water and the uh, the pens with uh, uh, pressurized ink cartridges. Yeah, I guess that would be a problem. Yeah. Uh, until what depth does that usually work? The demonstrations that I've seen were just an, in shallow water. Like the idea is that it works in the rain. Mm. Uh, right in the rain, R-I-T-E, in the rain uh, is a brand is name. Of one oh, of the, that's, that's adorable. It's yes. really cute. They seem, to, they seem to make lovely notebooks. Well, do we often do sponsorships on this show? I've never oh, noticed that before, but maybe, I, 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 I thought maybe I was do. on the I ad free. I've never actually received any money for them or anything, so that wouldn't be a sponsorship in that case. So it might be a plug, but it's not a sponsorship. <laughs> okay. Otherwise, I would yeah. like be expecting some, at least a freebie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, so if anyone hears, if anyone from Right and Rain, that's the one that we named, hears this. Gosh, I wonder if you've ever men- mentioned, like, Apple or Sony or, or uh, something. Or, yes. uh, who knows? And, uh, and and let's see if that sort of winds up here. because it Makes sure- its way miraculously back to us. Yeah. I'm not oh, holding my breath. Uh, no, because we're not under uh, several feet uh, of uh, red ink. Cunning, yes. But I do think that we should probably get on with the, the podcast a bit, because okay. if we are heading toward an ink fall, mm. um, I don't know that my big stick, whatever that's called, like a gondolier's pole, is going to Ooh, like, a punt? do the... No. A punt? I don't know. I mean, it's called punting when you're, when you're doing it in Cambridge. and oh, you're that's like, right. You're, you're, you're punting your way along the river, so I wouldn't be surprised that stick was called a punt or something. Or maybe the boat's called a punt. I, have, I honestly have no clue. Simply messing any, around in boats. Any Cambridgeshire folk who would know about this kind of thing, please get in touch and let us know what it, what those <laughs> yes. boats. If those boats are called punts, if the poles are called punts, or maybe the people who are on the boats the punters, going yeah. around punting. Uh, yeah, he's a bit of a punt, but. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> Yes, you can get in touch with us at CoverMyAssCast at, uh, uh, on Twitter and Gmail. I had to think there for a second because I almost said so far, Skip. Ah, yeah, wrong podcast. Wrong podcast. What do we have in store for our readers this ah, week? This week's book is by Paul Anderson. I think we've done books by him before, haven't we? Yes, yes. The Tiger Ball Pit. Oh. Do you remember with with Raja and, and Neo Agraba? Oh, yes, that's the one. Yes. Yeah. That was an exciting book. Uh, this week's book is called... something? Annals of the Time Patrol. Annals of the Time Patrol. Is that what it says? It says double N. Yeah, you're right. Wow, must have gotten the ink in my eye. Uh. Yeah, the, the Annals of the Time Patrol by Paul Anderson. And if you look down at your podcasting device, you should should be seeing the cover of today's book. And it says Annals of the Time Patrol by Paul Anderson. And it's got uh, a lot going on as we like it. So yes. it's, got a, it's got a sort of plain galactic black-blue background with uh, centered around a... It looks like a sun, right? It's or just some, a br- some bright light, yeah. yeah. At the back, we have some, like, vague people. I think one of them is wearing a Roman toga... The other one yeah. seems to be wearing a, I mean, I don't know, maybe Victorian suit, like a suit, like a like, newsboy hat. Yeah, that that kind of outfit. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the, the the guy in green with the turban. It's hard to place. Could be anything, really. Turban is a popular like headdress. They also seem to have long hair, or maybe that's just a drape hanging yes, out from could under be a the scarf or, uh, yeah, anything, turban. Yeah. Uh, the next one is easier to recognize. Like that kind of headdress is is very Ottoman. It's a big yellow sort of beehive. Are you sure, though? I mean, if you look... I'm little, not sure of anything. If you look a little closer, then yeah. they have the little chin thing, which to me sounds more oh, like Assyrian I or Egyptian. See. You know? Yeah, and they do seem to have a bit of eyeshadow or yes. coal around the eyes. Uh, and then there's the lady in the white garb, which it could just be any old Middle Eastern type... 
area yeah, outfit. Yeah, uh, headscarf in the same color as her gown yes. or uh, uh, robes. Seems very practical wear, sort of white and grayish. Yeah, desert wear, any, anywhere where there's like too much sand and not enough water. You know, Light seems... brown hair, I notice, oh, yeah. uh, rather than black. And behind her, there is, uh, a, it looks like a fierce Mongolian horse person. Yes. With a shield and a curved sword and a furry hat with metal points. Well, I'm like wondering how he's holding that shield up because his right hand is like disappearing behind the lady in white. It, oh, seems, yeah. it seems a bit of a, bit of a peculiar setup. Maybe he's got three arms. Maybe there's a, a shield mount on the, on the horse's neck. Hmm. Could be. Do you know how you can have a phone mount for in your car? Right. Convenient that sounds thing. like the kind of thing that the uh, Mongolians would come up with. They came up with a lot of stuff. But we'll find out about that later as we get deeper into the book. Yes. Because we've started at the back of this cover. The front of this cover is a dude in, in a, a sort of... Jumpsuit. Yep. Silver, not spandex. It's too wrinkly yes. for that. Silver bluish. And he is sitting on a padded bench holding... I guess it's a steering wheel or something, at least some sort of controls, which his yeah, hands which are crossed is, over on. It crossed at the wrist. It makes no sense. I mean, maybe it has like, it's a cross-time device, so maybe you have to cross your arms <laughs> to be able to operate yeah. it properly. Because uh, I, th- I do believe we are looking at the time travel machine that is uh, featuring yes. rather prominently in this book. It looks a bit like a disturbed dolphin, as far as I'm concerned. I saw that too. Like it, it, It's really squat, but it's got dolphin-esque lines to right. it, certainly that, on the nose like a porpoise. It I, seems to have like little eyes. Or I, think, that's just I a, think that's just meant to be a reflection or something, but it does look a bit like it's got eyes. Maybe yeah. it's just running lights or something along those oh, lines. Yeah. And it has a windshield that sort of looks like a dolphin's or like a porpoise's melon. Yes, which I just only recently learned are incredibly squishy. Apparently. Yes, it's just like, is it like, it's like a, a yeah. balloon full of water or fat, I suppose, in this case, because that's li- literally what's in it. It's mostly fat. Wow. Uh, yeah, I wonder if I could ever pet a beluga uh, a whale or dolphin. They're not actually whales. They're just called whales. Right. Because they've got the big old melons. Mm. And actually, I wonder what it feels like. Now, I've got to say, he uh, just looking at the cover, he made kind of a dumpy impression on me. He's, he's, I think he looks a bit sad. Slouchy and... Oh. Uh, I think uh, a bit morose is yeah, actually more yeah. Yes, it would be Mary Jitulek. Uh, oh, is that how you pronounce his name? Yes. Okay. How did you think it was pronounced? Uh, Jikulek. I thought Jikulek. that maybe it was an Americanized name. Right. No, I think it's uh, Mary Jikulek. Jikulek. Yep. And like sometimes they Americanize it and sometimes they don't. But, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, so you can... I think they're stuck with the original one. And he is one of the members of the Time Patrol. Yes, a, a, a noble organization policing the time streams, ensuring that paradoxes are disentangled and uh, uh, grandfathers don't get shot. They're the ones like uh, certain historical figures that are quite popular when people yeah. think about time travel have a lot of protection from this organization. Yes, they, but you say that and you make it all sound glamorous and um, romantic almost to be working. But a lot of the time patrol work is just dealing with regular, yeah. regular little... A time infringement. Petty time crime. No, no, not even crime. M- more or less it's a misdemeanor rather than anything else. Time travel in this world was yeah. developed by a Mormon uh, uh, scientist. <laughs> yeah. So the first rule of time travel is thou shalt not time travel on a Sunday. <laughs> oh, okay. Which is uh, just tricky. That makes, the, that makes the launches difficult. It's all local frame of reference, of course. Uh, yeah, but for the arrival as well. You're going to cross a lot of Sundays, but that doesn't count. Another <laughs> thing that they have to deal a lot with is using the phone while time traveling. Yeah, no, that's pl- very... <laughs> At least very strongly. Yeah, they're not fans of of Doctor Who because he lives in a phone box. Yeah. That would be an ecumenical matter. Yes. (laughs) And of course, like time traveling without a license, which you would think is much more serious, but it's just a misdemeanor. Yeah, all of these time crimes are are kind of petty. I guess when you have the ability to just go back and, and undo what was done, there's really not a lot of point in punishing someone for something that 
really wasn't actually right. done and which, cannot be proven to right, have happened. Which kind of reflects in the motto of the oh, time patrol. Motto. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah it's, no, okay. it's all law. I didn't read the appendices. It's all law, no order. <laughs> yeah, all, all law in any order also. Well, there's yes, a television yeah. program based on it. There's, de- <laughs> yeah, there's definitely no order in here, but it's all law. Yep. <laughs> Yes, we have uh, our uh, good uh, man, Mary, who is uh, being called over to his uh, commander, uh, Chief Outlaw. Yeah, now, that was a little bit confusing to me. You know, some people have unfortunate names, and I guess yeah. Mr. Anderson was trying to have a little ha-ha moment here and calling <laughs> yeah. him Chief Outlaw as the head of the uh, the Time Patrol. Yeah, and initially it seemed like business as usual. It was just informing our hero, Mary Jitrulek, that the that the Time Portal would be out of order for the foreseeable future, and instead of the Time Portal, they'd have to use the Time Star Bordel on the other side of the Time <laughs> Complex. Isn't the Time Lar Bordel? <laughs> <laughs> that was the original one. got very confusing. Yes. Yeah, like, time travel and faster than light are entwined in a lot thing, of physics. Yes. Yeah, exactly, because both require like a, a, a reversion of, uh, I guess, entropy. Entropy to work on a, yeah. on a hypothesized particle that is capable of traveling faster than light, named mm-hmm. after Tycho Brahe. And well, that's <laughs> right? his name. Oh, oh sorry, Tycho. Tycho Brahe. Uh, I was going to do it. And that would be the tachyon then. Uh, yeah, except it's uh, lame. Oh. It's hacky. It's oh, a, a tachyon. It's a leak of uh, tachyons. He's talking to a chief outlaw about um, his missing partner. Because he came back from his last assignment uh, somewhere in time, and uh, his partner didn't come back with him. They basically got on their uh, time scooters. Chronoped. Chronoped, yes. A dolphin-shaped chronoped. Yeah. Oh, no, I noticed that a lot of the technology that they use is called animals of the time patrol. They don't really, they don't have animals of the time patrol, not animals of the time patrol. That is probably where I went wrong, isn't it? (laughs) That That is probably where I went wrong. Yeah, you're right. You thought the book was called Animals of the Time Patrol. Yes, I suppose. I I did overfocus on certain topics now that I look back on it. And even even earlier when you said it was animals and I went, oh, is that what it's called? I had forgotten that I thought that it was animals. Okay, there's like you have definitely been at the Red Ink too much. Yeah, yeah. I thought it it was compensating. But uh, let's see where the book takes us then. Yes. And let's see if I can lower my voice so I don't sound so suspicious. He gets told having a a time cop disappear on the job is, of course, a very serious problem. Oh, yeah. So uh, he gets told to go find him. And at first there's, of course, no reason to assume that there's any mischief afoot. But like he's just disappeared. He didn't arrive. Might be a malfunction in his time. Uh, in his chronoped. Chronoped. Yeah, yes. he's incredibly worried uh, about his partner because they've been on the job together for. You can't exactly say it's been this many years because you cross so many time streams and if right. you're always, on separate missions. There's always subjective time that they that you can judge by how long someone has been uh, working the job. Yeah, but if someone goes through a few years of training, then you know yes. they come out a different. And by, it's, Mary, it's really and by, by Mary's appearance on the book cover, he is into his forties, if yeah, not fifties. Yeah, I was going to say uh, like, getting there. Mary climbs onto his his chronoped, aims it straight down the throat of the uh, time star portal, plunges into the temporal vortex. Yes, following the temporal exhaust trail. Temporal exhaust trail is very good. Oh, Paul Anderson was a really good writer, I thought. <laughs> and he arrives in the uh, uh, thir- late 13th century, I think, oh. uh, the heyday of the Mongolian Empire. Oh, now, out this on is the a- steps of Mongolia. You, not just Mongolia, this is the largest continuous empire that the world has ever seen. Ah, it's, it's like just when Genghis Khan finished kicking most of everybody's asses. Exactly. Yes. Genghis Khan unified under his brutal rule under which millions died, uh, a, a realm that spanned from fucking Beijing to Europe. Mm. Like, it was a continuous straight shot. And wasn't, the, wasn't there like a significant dip in the carbon production after that <laughs> due, due to the amount of people that he killed? That like yes. so many no, few 
fewer fires were being burnt, that there was like actually a Forests res- grew back exactly. and the CO2 content of the atmosphere took a noticeable dip <laughs> after Genghis Khan. Yeah, this is just so wild. So many people were dead. Yeah, no more cooking fires, no more forest yep. burnings. Forests came back and sequestered more. Just because so many people got killed. It's yeah. amazing. Now, that is the thing that that our hero is discovering because he, he tries to follow the temporal exhaust from uh, uh, mm-hmm. his, his partner's uh, his partner's chronoped. Temporarily exhausted. To the Mongolian Empire, one of its uh, uh, major cities, Kakorum, I think it was, oh. arriving in the summertime and he hasn't read up on the Mongolian Empire and Mongolian culture or no. the various cultures like subsumed within it, but he's pretty sure that they're not like beatnik rockers. And that, that like... Seems the seems more- like a fairly uh, safe assumption. That's right. what I would take when I go there. There are some amazing metal throat singing <gasps> groups like uh, the Who. The Who. The, yes, they're the the fantastic. Yes. They're so good, and they and they play the horsehead fiddle, which is a beautiful instrument, and they combine yeah. like the throat singing with folk metal. It's so cool. They even did a, a soundtrack for um, a, a game. Jedi Fallen Order. Fallen Order, yeah. And I thought that was Mongolian. They actually invented a yes. new Star Wars Be- language because they didn't want to be a genuine language. To which someone else actually c- commented, like, uh, "Who was Mongolian? Who goes? This is cool because." Now I know what Mongolian sounds like to people who don't speak Mongolian. Yes, yes so exactly. They, they, because I couldn't tell the difference. If you told me it was Mongolian, I would have believed it. But no, exactly yeah. because we recognize some of the phonemes. Like the yes. Mongolian has has some phonemes that we recognize as as, as Dutch people, the ch and the voice like yeah. the uh, and just the melody of the language, the way it yeah. flows. Our our hero Mary was quite surprised to arrive in the Mongolian Empire and find beatniks. Yeah, and find that the popular music was based on a rhythm very different than Mongolian music, and it uh-huh. was shu 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 shu. It was, it was very peculiar. They were doing these weird dances, uh-huh. uh, all still in honor of of their of their lord of their, yeah, of their Genghis of their Khan, Khan or the pretty horses or the uh, no, seriously <laughs> the pretty horses. All the pretty is. horses is, in, is the title of a Mongolian throat singing song. It's, oh, that's great! Yes, I mean horses are very important are. to, the, to yes, Mongolian culture. Super important, yeah. He, he discovers soon enough that this is that all of this is the influence of the Mongolian Empire's first superstar, a music innovator who became incredibly popular, whose songs have spread throughout the empire, fanned by essentially the fandom of, of Genghis Khan himself, who uh, promotes this, this musician wherever he can, a musician called Jerry, uh, specifically Mongol Jerry. Yes, known for his famous hit in the springtime. <laughs> Well, yes, exactly. In the springtime when the weather is hot. Yeah, exactly. This song and its derivatives are incredibly popular. There's even a dance that that goes along with it, leg-kicking dance in honor of their their king called Khan Khan. And it's a da, 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 you knee up and then you and then you kick out. It's a very sexy dance that you can it do is. together. It seems a little bit tricky to do on the top of a horse back, but I mean, I, I guess like making high kicks is actually easier when you're sitting on a horse because you don't have to keep yourself up. You just have to get your leg That's up there. True. That's Although true. Although then stirrups become a problem again. Horse riding outfits are, are generally quite generous in the crotch, so doing high true. kicks with with those works yeah. quite well. You don't have to, all those uh, layers and layers of skirts to lift up. So that's no, no, <laughs> exactly, exactly. You have a very high Mongol of attack. <sighs> Ouch. <laughs> There's loads of those anyway. There's loads of attacking <laughs> yeah, Mongols coming on. Now, it's at this point that while Mary is investigating the legend of, of this Mongol, Jerry, mm-hmm. he starts noticing some weird blips on his on his sensor equipment. And as he approaches one of, these, one of the concerts by Mongol Jerry, he notices that this man seems to have what amounts to a Bluetooth Mongol, <laughs> yes. uh, a technology that... <laughs> 
Yes. No, keep going. Yeah, system. no, I got that. A, a technology that is not available in the 13th century at all, and that therefore this Mongol Jerry must yes. be a con man. Ah. A time traveling con, con man. man. Yeah. Yes. Who else could it be except his partner, who, who has arrived in the Mongol Empire? introduced this new musical craze to mm. an, that, that inflamed an entire culture in order to profit from it. Yes, it's a great way to do it. Like you introduce something that like you know is going to be a hit because yeah. Yeah, I guess it sounds right. And it, even though it became like popular like hundreds of years later in real life, I mean, he realized, of course, there's a problem and that is going to have to uh, get some people on this because this is like a, a clear pollution of history. Oh, and, yeah. And the biggest problem here is it's, it's, it's a, like a reverse copyright infringement. That's true. That's true. And that's remember some, that new sound you were looking for? And that's, of course, like a very serious business. Like all the big corporations have like, like gotten charters written into the time uh, patrol uh, laws to make sure that uh, reverse copyright uh, yes, uh, doesn't get yeah. violated because who then first discovered it so it's, it's prior the, art is subjective time it's, it's one of those things that you're really not supposed to bring back with you the trail goes cold yeah he, he approaches this concert but this, uh, mongol this, jerry is nowhere, nowhere to, to be, be seen yeah the con man has made off with the uh, the spoils the the trail runs cold although there is a lot of temporal exhaustion from the chronopet <laughs> and he, he he discovers that the, the the man has disappeared again and he follows him back he gets on his own chronopet and he keeps following the exhaust trail. Yep. Uh, Back into the time starboard all through the vortex. Yes, which leads him to 1894. Skipping a few centuries, like five... I mean, that's... That's time travel for you. It's like, yeah, it, yeah. It goes back and forth a lot. Uh, you get a lot of... You call it mileage... You get a lot of yearage on these Chron- decades. Chronolage. Do you ever think about the fact that in cinema, in video, when you talk about footage, that means feet of film? Mm. No, absolutely. Versus mileage for the. Do yeah, you yeah. ever think about that? Uh, so we find ourselves in 1894 in Texas, in, in the temporary city of Crush. Crush. Now, I'd never heard of this before. I guess yes. it's a temporary city. Well, it was uh, founded by a man called William G. Crush. One of those who named it after himself. Yeah, and it was only it only existed for a week or two or something like that, like the Burning Man of its time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like Black Rock City. He worked for a railroad company, and they decided to stage an event where they uh, were going to run two steam engines into each other. Uh, Whoa! And they that yep. was not what I was expecting. No, no, they sold tickets to it, and they expected like twenty thousand people to show up. But they they sold like forty thousand tickets, which Whoa. Was, which the event technically the, the event itself was free. But they had a $2 train ticket back and forth from anywhere in the state of Texas to the event location. Uh. Uh, and they used that. The whole town <laughs> sprung up. There was a, a bunch of uh, carnival things, uh, barkers with their, with their acts. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Dancers. C- cigar salesmen. Peanuts. Yes. Yeah. Uh, everything. Like lemonade stands, the whole shebang. Wow. Every, everything showed up. What a day that must have been. It huh? was fantastic. Because, yeah, this, this spectacle of smashing two yeah, like it's they, the monster truck show of its day exactly and yeah more than forty thousand people showed up which i think may, believe me, made incredible. it the biggest city in texas if only for a few days <laughs> at that point he of course looks up in his time index thing about what the uh, relevant the almanac infor- what, yes what the relevant information is about this this particular time and place and he finds out that there is a man by the name of doc vacation who is uh <laughs> yeah He's in the gambling dens and he's in the saloons, which have also, of course, uh, uh, shown up. Yeah. I, think, I think it was a, it must have been a big tent city. I actually don't know what... Uh, as the events uh, unfold in the book... They were so exciting. Yes. Like, I, uh, I, Mary meets up with Doc and they start uh, uh, hunting for the for his missing partner, who is again leaving a trail here. Because Doc is, is surprisingly amenable to this. Like, he's an investigator by trade. Like he, Yeah, d- he's d- also d- a drunk and a very good hand with a gun. And he has a lot of debt, so when Mary shows up with... with 
with some of his gold coinage. Doc goes, I'm your Huckleberry. That's the one. (laughs) (laughs) And they soon find themselves uh, turned onto the footsteps of a man by the name of Rattlesnake Dick. Which they. (laughs) Unfortunate name. (laughs) It is. Really unfortunate name. The images it conjures are no good. Makes you wonder how you get a a nickname like that, you know? I know. Maybe maybe his name was Dick and he just likes to eat rattlesnakes or something, or he shut them down. I should hope. Or maybe it was like, yeah, it was a name he acquired in the brothels. That's always like also a problem. No. That's uh, that's uncivilized behavior. Oof, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They managed to track uh, Rattlesnake Dick down through the campgrounds and the fairs, uh, right up to the point where in the morning of the big event, the uh, two trains are uh, rolled out towards the center point where they're about to meet. The whole event gets delayed by about an hour or two because the crowd wants to stand much closer to it and the police that force is safe. Yeah. have to, to like, drive and push them back. I believe they went with 200 yards of a safe distance or something. Yeah, because, wow... The pressure that those boilers are under, that's... Oh, yes. Holy shit, if that gets ruptured... Basically what happens, they ran the trains in, the crews uh, brought the engines up to steam, they set the engine to the predetermined setting, and then after it made about th- four revolutions of the wheels, they decided, okay, okay, now they get off and just leave it running. Off-skate. Yep. Uh, two trains ran into each other at, I believe they were going about 45 miles an hour at the time, and a big boom, and yes, of course, they were... Thought to be safe enough. I mean, they, well, those boilers wouldn't rupture, but no, those boilers did rupture. Oh, no. And there was a bit of an explosion. There uh, was a, a bit of an explosion. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Whenever somebody says there was a bit of an explosion, yes, what they I actually mean was there's a big about, fucking explosion. Oh, yeah. Uh, only two people died, apparently, uh, Ooh, during good. the event. And oh, I was going to good for them. That's a bad way several, to say it. Several thousands were injured. Jeez. Because <laughs> there was, was like With a cloud of steam everywhere. and shrapnel. Yeah. yeah the, the, everything was reduced. All trains, except for the two furthest cars out, were reduced to st- a pile of junk and timber and why uh, did they think this was a good idea because you know, yeah, i mean it's spectacular they made a lot of money selling tickets sure and and i mean at the time they didn't really have like liability claims I guess not but, but actually one person did get paid ten thousand dollars for the loss of an eye wow as I, it was uh, expensive eye yes yeah, so I, I guess they made what did uh, they think was going to happen Usually when the question is asked, what were they thinking? The answer is, they weren't. You know? And in this case, clearly, Rattlesnake Dick may have had a bit of a hand in the, well, in the over-promotion. Right, and he, of uh, course, knew the effect uh, of the uh, event, and uh, he manages to uh, give them the slip in the general confusion, as it happens after the big explosion. Yes, having made quite a fortune on taking some bets, like the default bet being, like, everything goes wrong and yeah. people get damaged, and he, he seizes all of his ill-gotten yep. gains, uh, once again, escaping the, the the long arm of the law. At which point Mary has to uh, head back to the precinct to uh, refuel his... His uh, bed, yeah. Yes, uh, the time patrol is also, by the way, known as the Blue Man Group. I wonder why that was, though. Because they're cops, they're blue. They're like... Oh, yes, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, no, yeah, that makes sense now. Good uh, job, Paul Anderson. And he gets himself a new partner assigned by uh, the chief, by chief outlaw. Yeah, it's about time. Yes, a, a man by the name of uh, T.C. Richard Head. Who's a bit of a- yeah, no, got it now, got it now, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Who's a bit of an <laughs> asshole, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> and yes. Chief Outlaw is smug about bearing them up, about making sure that, that Mary Chuchek yeah. gets T.C. Chuchulek. Yes. Chuchulek. Uh, what does T.C. stand for? Uh, time Cop. Uh, time, t- time Constable, actually. Time Constable. Yes. <laughs> okay, that's so much better. P.C. is Police Constable, as far as I'm aware. That's so, right. Like, so T.C. is right. Time Constable. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, and the Major Times Unit. So off they go again, onto their chronopeds, freshly recharged, down the Time Star Bordle, chasing the exhaustion of the man who's ultimately known as Mongol Jerry and Rattlesnake Dick. Yeah. They find themselves in the Ottoman Empire. Oh. Yeah. 
Now, the Ottoman Empire was a, a Turkic empire mm-hmm. of conquest. It even spread into Europe. It had huge cultural influence over the area that it spanned. But it is not very well known to Mary and Richard. Mary has learned from his previous encounters with his partner, who is embedding himself in these eras and disguising himself. And he knows that he has to do that too. Mm. So they tried some disguises to fit into the, into the Ottoman Empire, but these disguises are terrible disasters. Because Mary activates like the the interior lighting of his silver unitard that we see. Oh yes, um, because he thinks it's the Auto Man Empire, Empire, which yes. Auto Man was a short-lived television series by Glenn A. Larson in the seventies about wow. a person who could yeah turn into a computer or some shit oh. like that, but uh, mean, like you, Tron style effects. You think with the that glowing. like someone working for the Time Patrol knows a little bit of generic history? So like finicky like, little details like. Empires and hey, look, it's very well possible. If your resources are like the are the internet, you might find more information, more websites dedicated to the Ottoman thirteen episode one season TV series that that, that aired in the nineteen seventies than the, the Ottoman, Ottoman Empire. Like if you're possible. if you're on the internet, uh, possible, yeah. His partner TC Richard Head doesn't do very much better. Who just guesses based on the name of the empire that he's in and disguises himself as James K. Turk. (laughs) Is his middle name Kiberius? Kiberius, yes, Yes. that's right. Uh, He tries to re-disguise himself as an umpire. Still, you got completely wrong. It's just called an empire. They don't even get close to figuring out where Mary's partner is or how he's disguising himself. Hmm. And when they get back to the, uh, the time patrol, chief outlaw chides them for turking off. Ah, who hasn't turked off a little bit once in a while. <laughs> yes, right. Chief Outlaw sends them back to the chronological archives to do a little bit of uh, uh, chronomancy research to find out where the next <laughs> yeah. where the next incursion was. Yeah, they walk uh, through the, the archives with their divining dildos. And-, and they find that a, a certain name has suddenly popped up, uh, a name by the name of Lesbianus Pupenius, uh, who is now... Paul Anderson is such a good writer. <laughs> Shown up in the in the Roman Empire. They get on their chronopeds and quickly head down to uh, the Rome, basically, except like Rome of around, oh, I guess, the turn of the first millennium. Well, I Rome, mean, it would, it would have zero. to be because yeah. you had you had the Republic for a long time yeah. and then you had the, the Empire for a bit and then you also had the, the Byzantine, the Eastern Roman Empire. Like, it was a pretty complex thing. Like just being told the Roman Empire is kind of like being told, oh, where do you live? Are you American? Where do you live? In Springfield. Strangely enough, like feeding the pigeons is one of the crimes which is being committed here. It's like, what was that about? I, I have no idea. I, mean, I guess feeding the pigeons was illegal there at, at, at a certain point. I mean, they were vermin. They were flying vermin. Yes, exactly. They actually managed to get on the uh, tail of a lesbianus uh, pupenius. A good name. It's a real authentic Roman name. He's they're, clearly learned. They're guilty of the, uh, another temporal crime of oh, che- no. chewing gum. That's another one of the prohibited items. How? Oh. And it's very easy to, like, track someone when they like have a, a gum chewing habit and they're like spitting the gum out all over the place especially in the past when the stuff didn't exist so yeah. it's a really good way to to integrate tra- very well even does Not it really, it takes quite a long time yeah and especially when it, it sticks it gets walked into the ground and it, it sticks everywhere and it takes quite, quite a while to disappear yeah so when you when you find the gum imprint on like the pompeian graffiti after the vesuvian right. disaster yeah so where they meet up by with a man by the name of marcus cocaeus firmus 
uh, who, yes, uh, yes, yes. Uh, and, and, and finally, they figure out what, what it is cool. that Mary's partner has been doing. Yes. He's been working on peddling intertemporal porn- pornography. Yeah, because he like they like the good stuff. They, that's the thing. It's like pornography is like being in quite rare supply, like for most of history. And there's plenty of opportunity in the past to uh, make high quality pornography without people be actually being aware. It's all uh, theme yeah, uh, yeah, themed based. And like, yes, but yeah. it's all like uh, time period appropriate because that's basically what he's been doing. He's been using his Mongol Jerry uh, uh, persona, character, persona to acquire like a bunch of fanboys and yeah, and lots fanboys. of lots of. You know, can imagine lots of fit Mongols, well, young Mongols fucking. That's an amazing holy business. Shit, yeah. yeah. And the same, like Old West, that also has a, had a bit of a reputation for yeah. uh, oh, yeah. whorehouses, the biggest little whorehouses. Ladies of the evening yes. and gentlemen of ill repute. That's exactly. where you got and a bad case of the rattlesnakes. Yes, that, I guess that's how he got his name. Yes. Yeah. And of course, uh, the Roman Empire, which is known for its massive orgies. And it turns out that his partner has been running a temporal porn ring. When he finally confronts him and, and his partner, who I don't believe we ever get his name. No, he's only named by the by, oh, by the no, various. Oh. That, I had it written down. I don't oh. know why. Dolphin Lundgren. Dolphin Lundgren. Yes. I would have expected that was the name of his chronoped, but we went with chronoped, no. and so now the partner I, is Dolphin Lundgren. Yes, that's Dolph- why not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a very good reason. It's very cetaceous. Uh, so- <laughs> I mean, he's at this point like judo chopped uh, a TC Richard head, so we can have a one-on-one with his partner Mary. Uh, and he talks to Mary, and like you're, you're, like you're Why? enforcing all these time rules. You are supposed to be the chosen one. <laughs> that really, like, they benefit no one. They're incredibly petty. We are the only ones like that are really capable of doing any time travel, and, we, and we're actually like improving things a little bit and introducing them to to, to bit. Do you know what you are? You are so obsessed with the the law and the order, despite the fact that Chief Outlaw has told you there is. No order. You're just obsessed with the natural sequence in which things are supposed to be uh, supposed to happen. Yeah. Do you know what you are? You're a clock sucker. Yes, <laughs> you're just, very much. You're just completely. Uh, and Mary is just flabbergasted that he gets called that. that like that's like an outright insult. Yes. Yeah. So Dolphin Lundgren's temporal pornography ring gets uh, rolled up, Aww. and uh, he gets a uh, whole back to Blue Man Group and the uh, <laughs> the Time Enforcement Commission. Yes. Yes. Uh, to uh, be put to trial for his uh, temporal crimes, which are, again, really only misdemeanors. Like, it's mostly their job to stop them, not to punish people for it. Exactly, because once the damage is undone, then there's no crime to punish them for. Exactly, so it's like, don't do it again, and you get a few points on your time license. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the newspapers call you a turquoise. Yeah, there you go. All resolved. Exciting book. Yeah. Took a lot of time to read it, but yes, it it sure did. It sure did. But there was a lot of there was a lot of flashbacks that we had to deal with, and I mean, that we untangled for the benefit of our, our readers. He's speaking the entire book as a flashback, except for the uh, oh, that's the, true. The, the, the time patrol office things. Yes, I really enjoyed the norm de temps. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Okay, yes. yeah, that the partner took fucking lesbianus lesbianus poopiness. Lesbianus poopiness. Yeah, that's the one. That was that was really fun and rattlesnake dick. It was so much fun. I was really surprised by the Bluetooth Mongols. Yeah, when you when you see someone wearing a Bluetooth Mongol, did, then you know that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, did the did the Mongols ever make it up to the Scandinavians? I guess that's where. Oh, that's right. Okay, no, hit I mean, me with that trivia. Hit me they, with that bit. They, of, there could have been a little bit of cross pollination between the Mongols and the Scandinavians. Yeah, and the, I think he was Danish. 
Bluetooth, uh, King Har- Harald Bluetooth, I think Har- it was called. Harald Blautand. Yes. And the, the Bluetooth logo, which we still use today, which is, is in your the, menu bar. It's the runes made up his name. Uh, for B and T. Yeah. It's so brilliant. Yeah, that was someone was having a nerdgasm over that one. Maybe that's how we wound up with it. But all in all, I really enjoyed the book. It was a bit of a struggle to get through. It didn't seem to, uh, to, to, to resolve, but it always made it in the end, which yeah. is, I guess, how time travel works. So how are we going to rate this book? Okay, so the oldest point in time that I've been able to identify in anything that we've talked about has got to be like the Roman Empire. Yeah. The Roman Empire would have started about somewhere in the first century BC because I yeah. think under when... So uh, let's call it zero. Yeah. Just for a... Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, do we ever so learn... out of zero, how are we going to... No, no. I'm like, and, the latest, the and the latest point oh. that the book was like during the time travel agency. But I don't think we ever really, really learn at which point in time that is. You're right. But that's the thing. It's like, when what do we want? Time travel. When do we want it? It doesn't matter. It doesn't... No. So, yesterday, whatever. So we can grade it from zero to anything, really. Uh, let's do from zero to crush. Crush. Okay, 1894. That's the only other date that gets specifically named. Out of 1895. Named. Out yeah. of 1894. Deal. So, ooh, um... I mean, by the 1892 Winchester is my favorite, but that's like a very high grade, which <laughs> I don't think this, which I don't think this book deserves. It doesn't it deserve 1892 out of 1894. All but right. I'm trying to think of like cool years in the 1800s. Yeah, Mr. World. Colts and his first produced revolver in 1864, I believe. Oh, that sounds right. I'll give it 1864 out of 1894. That sounds great, and therefore we've actually made it. Thank you for joining us at Cover My Ass, where, oh, no, hold on, hold on, uh, we've got to do it the other way around. Ah, see, that's the problem with time travel, because you get things the wrong way around. You can get in touch with us, why, I don't know, at uh, Cover My Asscast on Twitter and on Gmail, we're on CoverMyAsscast.com, and hey, it's been uh, 96 episodes by now, so maybe, like, glance down at your podcasting device and fondle our little star, but in the meantime, what do we have in store for our readers next week? Next week's book is by Donovan Hone, Moby Duck. The true story of 28,000 bath toys. <laughs> and that about covers it. Thank you for joining us at Cover My Ass, where baffling books are reviewed but not read by yours truly. My name is Kaki. And I'm Kay. And remember, we, we only, only judge a book by its cover. Made it by the skin of our teeth on this one. I thought it went well. It probably would have been better if I hadn't, like, dragged my finger into the red ink and forgot what I was doing halfway yes. through. We might have to tack on some things, but uh, I think we got there. <laughs>